Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. I made my money the old-fashioned way. That was very nice to wealthy relatives right before they died. <laughs> my name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking today? Uh, dude, I'm awesome, and I'm just nursing this hangover, so... Uh, <laughs> still water? Yeah, so still water, but the next one, um, there's going to be a beer because hair of the dog, you know. Is that a beer? Uh, you know, it probably is a beer, and if it's not, um, trademarked. So. Wait, what, what does hair of the dog mean then? I, I think it's like a phrase, and I, it makes no sense, but it's just like when you have a hangover, uh, the best way to fix a hangover is to drink more. And so it's like you wake up, you feel like shit, and then you do a shot because America. How does this relate to dog hair? I don't wonder What? Mm. <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> Anyways. Okay. All right, man. I've got nothing in my cup right now. So I'm just. Uh, so I've been choking on the I'm gonna floor. I'm going to soldier through this episode. Okay. Yeah. And that I may I may open my last beer for the next one. L- L- my wife just texted <laughs> me. She's in the other room. She said, you sound like an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, today's catchphrase comes from Malcolm Forbes. I made my money the old-fashioned way. It was very nice to a wealthy relative right before he died. Is that a comedian or is that uh, – or do you even know? Mm-hmm. No, I have We had no in our idea. document. It's a pretty good catchphrase. But, hey, we want your catchphrases, so if you have a catchphrase for us, uh, you can send it to a, us at Twitter. Uh, we're at Money's Man on Twitter, or our email, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com, and we'll read your catchphrases at the beginning of the show. And today, our guest is Justin Crane, and Justin Crane is a money strategist for business owners. He's a business owner himself, certified financial planner, and in this episode, we want to have a little bit of a roundtable discussion with Justin. We're all entrepreneurs, and we want to talk a bit about how to start moving into your own business as an employee of somebody else's. So, hey, how's it going, Justin? Great. I'm so psyched to be here. I've listened to your show. I made it. Yay. Uh, <laughs> dude, we're not that important. Come on. Join the Howl Halls <laughs> of, yeah. of LMM guests. Yeah. So give me a little bit of your story. Um, what's, what's kind of your business about? Yeah. So I started out as a financial advisor for a big Wall Street firm, and I always knew that I wanted to bail and pull a Jerry Maguire, right? And mm. it's just that day... I'll never forget that day. Finally did it. Brought most of my clients with me. Um, it was a big leap. We'll talk a lot about that. Uh, now I'm still a CFP, um, but I've kind of evolved into this money strategist for business owners because there's not that much uh, going on in that space. So um, I believe that you know the success of someone's money business, the success of their business is really going to be the engine that's going to get them what they want in their financial life. Well, hmm. dude, like, they, why do they need to hire you? This, like, the strategies make money, right? Sales doesn't <laughs> solve all of the problems. Make more money. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what exactly does a money strategist do then? Is it just kind of like a plan for managing expenses and yeah, no, I think it it has to do with anything that has to do with numbers or money in your business. It starts with obviously understanding the numbers, but such as what is a profit and loss and what should you be looking for in your P&L statement? What's a balance sheet? What's a statement of cash flows? Where does the money go? How should you price your stuff? Should you invest in your business? Should you hire an employee? Should you get office space? Any Anything having to do with numbers in your business. Okay. So just all those decisions that affect the bottom line. And I guess that makes sense because a lot of us, when we get into business, we're just like, eh, the, the money's an afterthought, the accounting's an afterthought, I'll find some online spreadsheet tool and 
free accounting tool and then I'll use TurboTax and that's it, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, another thing is is that you got bookkeepers and I love them. You know, they do the data entry part and they get you your financial reports and then you have accountants that do the tax planning. But who's the one that's looking at the numbers in the business trying to be proactive with it? telling you how you should be strategic with your money. That's what I found. Ah, see, that's interesting because I, I guess, one, b- being a financial nerd, I was like always like, that's you. Like, you do that. But people who make, like, vacuum cleaners, like, they may be the best vacuum cleaners, but that's what they're good at. They're not good at, like, spreadsheets and shit. Yeah, I'm good Correct. at making videos, man. I'm, I'm only marginally uh, up and up on the on the money part. So, yeah, so, makes sense to me, dude. Like, I, I really want to um, talk about becoming like your own business, and I think uh, there's like a lot of lip service out there. Like, oh, you just build the runway, and then you buy your domain name, and like, then you're rich and you have a business. But yeah, th- you you have champagne, caviar, and some vanilla ice cream, and you're done. I didn't even know that goes <laughs> together. The vanilla yeah. ice cream—that's a nice touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Justin, you said you brought all of your clients with you. Yes. So you, uh, not all, but most of them came Most with of them. Me. So yeah. you were able to make a leap from doing something for a big company to doing the exact same thing, basically, for yourself. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So how did you make that happen? A ton of planning. Um, I stalled for about five or six years, and then I finally pulled the trigger. Um, it was just a point in time where I was like, okay, enough. I've got to do this. If not now, when? Um, but a lot of planning goes into it, you know, everything from where am I going to work to what is my pricing going to be to what's my personal monthly nut and how much money do I think I can take out of my business so I could like survive and not mm-hmm. eat like top ramen noodles. Mm. So was the process of saying to each of your clients, hey, I'm going solo, switch to Justin Crane LLC from Justin Crane who works for a big company and that's it. They just did it. They yeah, trust well, you the thing is, is that you, you can't do it beforehand. You have to do it only after. It's crazy. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You can crazy. send an email out from like jpmorgan.com saying like, join me at my new company. That's but, true. Yeah, no, so you, you had to, to quit. You got to bail and then you call your clients. Okay. And just hope they move over. Yes. Yes. And nowadays, I don't even know. There's all these regulations on how you do it now. But yeah, you can't plant a seed and you can't be like, hey, I'm thinking of leaving. Would you come with me? So I had literally had to create an Excel spreadsheet and I had yeses. I, I, you know, will this person come with me? Yes. Then I had maybes. Then I had noes. And I said, okay, all of the maybes will be noes. All of the noes will be noes. Of those yeses, what are my sales going to be? What are my profits going to be? Can I make this work? Okay. So how did you determine who the yeses would be? Was it just basically on the confidence that they want you and not just your big company? Yes. Okay. You know, how good of a relationship did I have with them? Gotcha. So I think, I mean, like, I think you have like probably like the ideal situation for becoming a business owner because like you're doing what you were doing and you have a client base and you know, you're able to build this list. What about the guy who works for the bank doing what you're doing, but he wants to, I don't know, make stoplights. He has like a way to improve stoplights that will change the world. But, it, but it's completely different than what he's doing. How does he move into that? Okay. It's a great question. I thought you were going to talk about the bank employee wanting to make vacuum cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> or cat sweaters. Cat sweaters. Exactly. That was, yeah. cat sweaters. The first thing is, is 
okay, I'm going to come with the number stuff. So obviously, you got to know what your personal monthly expenses are. That's the first thing. So, and the second thing is, is I necessarily wouldn't cold turkey it and wouldn't just bail from the bank and then go make cat sweaters. You have to figure out, will people buy cat sweaters? So many people jump in the deep end and they think they've got some great idea and then they bail and they put up the website and they spend all this money and all that, but no one buys their stuff. It's because they're marketing to the people, but the cats wear the sweaters. So you have to market to the cats. (laughs) That's right. So number one is you got to get clear on what your monthly nut is. The second thing is, is you have to get clear on what your business model is. Well, I want to go back to what you said before. So, so you don't just like jump like off the deep end before the idea is even there. But, uh, so, so you're ramping it up. When's time? Like is time when you're making more than you're making now? Uh, no, 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 no. I think I think you can bridge the gap. I think what you'll want to do is, depending on your financial situation, you might want to have six months or one year's worth of personal expenses in the bank. Okay. But there may not, and a lot of people might not ever be able to do that. So maybe yeah. it's two or three months, but maybe um, you do it to where you have 50 to 75% of your income that you're making in this new business while you're still working. So if you can do it on the side, I would definitely recommend that someone does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or at least know that you could cut your expenses to whatever level that you're making currently with your side project. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people fall into two extremes. One are the creatives who just say, I'm just going to do it, and they hope for the best, and they have some expenses in the bank, but they don't really have a proven business model. It's so important that... We understand how are we going to make money and what are we really going to do to make money? Not just sales, but profits. That's huge. I mean, still in business, tons of business owners don't have a great business model and they obviously fail. So how are they going to get make money? And then the next thing is you have to test your product or service before you bail and you got to see if people are going to buy it. Yeah. So... You obviously were going into a business where you were directly competing with your employer. So yeah. there was less you could do to test and to kind of operate uh, independently before you moved. So for you, what was the process of, I mean, was it literally just having a spreadsheet and being like, I think this many people will move over to me. That's, that's my lifeline. I'm just going to jump and hold onto that and hope it works. Yeah. The other thing is, is that when you're working for in any service based business, like let's say you're an accountant or a lawyer or whatever, usually you have a cut of what you bring in. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's say that cut, that cut is always going to be less than what you would make net of all of your expenses if you're running your own show. So I, I built in, I was like, I could even lose some clients, but I could make it up in the higher margin of my business. Mm -hmm. I keep more of $1 at my own firm versus somewhere where I worked. Okay. So when you moved, did you take a cut from what you were making? No. Oh, you were able to actually just replace your so income entirely? Break even. But you know when I moved? Hmm. Like You talk about the worst timing. I moved in February of 2008. Oh, and that was dude. like, oh my God, brutal, ridic. Like <laughs> Lehman went out of business. It was crazy. Yeah. Insane. So what did that do to your clients? Like, Were they just pulling out entirely or were you able to keep them in or – how did that go? Oh, yeah, no, they stayed. They stayed. Okay. A few of them like panicked and went to cash and stuff like that, but most of them stayed in it. Uh, but it was a very hard year. It was the, probably, in my opinion, uh, A, the worst year since I've been in business, which was 95. Um, and then B, what I've 
heard, seen, and kind of read. What it was, it was the worst in 70, 80 years in terms yeah. of just investing. It was, it was very, very hard. Luckily, I was in high school at the time, so <laughs> I was insulated <laughs> from that a bit. But I do remember being in high school, like everyone was afraid that we were going to go to college or graduate and just have no opportunity. And like there was all this fear that it was going to stay that way for the next four years or something. But you know what? A lot of people still think that. Mm-hmm. They're still like, man, if I can't graduate and find a job, what if I have to create my own job to get a job? You know, th- yeah. there's a lot of people that are dealing with that. You know, like on that point, like there was like some stat that I was reading and I think it's uh, by like 2050, uh, like 50 or more percent of the U.S. workforce will be independent contractors or, or they will be working for themselves. They won't be working for businesses. And it seems really? like things are kind of going that way. I mean, being an employee of a company is really expensive for the for the company. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's very important to start your own thing, you know, diversify your income. But like, it's not so simple as like you build your client list and then you jump because there's there are like all these other considerations like healthcare. I mean, how how did you I, I'm did you figure all this stuff out before you leapt? Did you kind of leap, get burnt to a crisp, and just like pay fines and and figured out like how did you kind of no no the healthcare was a big one it was yeah. a big one because you're going from and i was going to talk about this that you're going whether it's healthcare or um you know either you can get life insurance through your employer how about stock options if you're mm. working for a publicly traded company um yeah no my healthcare was like uh 200 a month at my old firm and then when i left to start my own firm it was 1500 a month because i got kids oh my wow. god yeah yeah that's crazy. That is crazy. My yeah. health is two hundred a month independently. Man. Well, there you go. I mean, you, you're lot. married with kids. It's 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 a totally different thing. Yeah. And so, and your wife like bought into this. She's, you're like, yeah, we'll just pay like fifteen hundred dollars a month in healthcare. And she's like, let's do it. I basically <laughs> was like, I think I can make the same money. And the other thing is, is we obviously know this, but let's just come out and say it. Mm. When you start your own business, you own it, mm. right? You work for a company, you own nothing, zero. So if you're going to start a business, um, you own it. You could sell it, right, when you retire. You could build up equity. You can bring in a junior partner. When I was at um, my old firm, I owned nothing, zero. Hmm. Now I got a business that produces – this is key for anyone starting – a business that produces cash flow. You've probably heard that term cash cow. And if you got a business that consistently produces cash flow, that's a real business. Hmm. Yeah. When you say cash flow, do you just mean a profit? Yes, but also recurring. Like, think of like someone who's like a real estate broker. Mm. That's a very hard job. I mean, you're hustling, mm. you're you're working your ass off to get paid one time, mm. and then you right. got to go start over and find the next person to buy or sell a house for, or life insurance, anything where it's a commission type of a deal and not recurring continuity of revenue which obviously turns into profits that's what you really want yeah one of, one of my core values with the work that i do is i want the vast majority of the time i put in to be put towards building things that stay valuable for a long period of time and that have a return for a long period of time so like you said being a realtor if i you know if i get a commission off selling a house that doesn't do anything for me a month later it's like drug money at all mm. 
Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we're all on drugs or anything, but you know, it's like what you know, like or I just like I put myself in the the eyes of like an estate planning attorney. Like they do wills and trusts. It's pretty what morbid. A, uh, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and they get paid one time, and then that's it. So yeah, and you, and you have to hope for people business. to. It's like I hope ten people die this month so I can pay my rent. Like that's crazy. Just wait next week. All the estate planners are going to have like a ten dollar per month estate service fee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But dude, it's it, it's an like a good point that like you own the business and I guess the way I always thought of it is you go to your job and you get your salary, your benefits, you get all this stuff, but you're also in a chair that they had to buy for you on a computer they had to get for you. You're breathing the air, like consuming space. So there has to, and then they have to make a profit. So how much are you really worth? And you're only getting whatever portion of that, right? Like I think it's if in like Apple or Facebook, the revenue per employee is like a million point something dollars. Yeah. So why are they paying everyone a million yeah. bucks? <laughs> yeah. And you know why? I think a lot of it has to do with, um, a lot of the middle management that a lot of companies I think just don't need. And then, you know, I remember sitting at my old firm and seeing these manager guys walk by. I'm like, man, they're taking part of what I really should be making. Yeah. Right. And I was like, um, I got to bail. So I've got a question about the nature of the work you do. Did you get into this field as an employee because you love what you do? Or uh, did you really want to move to your own business simply because you just wanted the independence? Like what? No, I got into it because I loved investing. Like okay. I was the I was the baseball card collector. I was the comic book collector. I was the guy that bought, you know, thirty two Steve Garvey nineteen seventy fours that I could buy for six bucks and try to sell for ten. Like that mm-hmm. was me. So uh, I got into it because of my passion for investing. Okay. So, but then you are so the process of moving over, you're not losing that passion because you get to still do what you like to do. Yeah, but it evolved. It evolved, and and um, I if it, and what really struck me, and it, it was nine eleven because I was in Los Angeles at the time, but I had worked at the World Trade Center when I graduated college for a summer, and it it didn't even affect me like it's affected a lot other people. Because I was in Los Angeles, I wasn't even New York, but I worked on the 81st floor. I took three elevators to get up there, and had I stayed there, it could have been me. And then I looked at my life, and I was like, am I really doing what I want to be doing? Mm-hmm. And I started to develop um, uh, consulting where I would do um, what's called financial life planning, where you merge someone's money with their life. And okay. I was like, you know what, I can't really do that at my big firm because they're about the bottom line, and they're about sales and commissions and all that and I couldn't really deliver that end result to a client like I can now. Yeah. So what I want to talk about is there's this idea that people who leave their jobs to become business owners do it because they're starting a business that they're passionate about. Whether it's knitting cat sweaters or being a carpenter or running a personal finance podcast or whatever. <laughs> but I have also heard from other people that uh have went and started businesses not out of some passion for the activity, but solely because they were looking for a way to go solo. Um, there's a YouTuber named CGP Gray, and if you listen to his podcasts, he talks about how he was a teacher teaching physics in the UK at you know regular uh, high schools, and he didn't want to be a YouTuber. He was just looking for a way to go be independent, and one of his first ideas was he was going to be a productivity consultant for companies. 
Uh, and in fact, I think it's the first video on his YouTube channel is that is like some how, here's how to use some productivity technique. And then he sort of just fell into the next business idea, which ended up working. So um, I know you moved into exactly what you did at your firm. So it's less of a question for you at this point. But maybe for Andrew, like, hmm. was a personal finance website your passion for the most part? Or was it more like I need something that I think is viable just because I really want to be independent. I really Dude, want to have full autonomy. I uh, thank you for this awesome question, Thomas. Um, I get to talk about myself for a little bit. <laughs> uh, I I was on a plane back from California. Um, a really good friend of mine at the time uh, worked for Apple, and I was a software developer for Lehman Brothers at that time. So, um, and that that's an interesting story unto itself. But yeah. Uh, I was on the way back and I was just like, I hate this. Like, I just don't want to do this. And I, I've since involved my career more, but I wanted to like get out. And so probably like half the people who have online businesses did, I Googled passive income. And the number one result is Pat Flynn, blah, blah, blah. It's like you get through Pat Flynn. He teaches you like, you can make money online. What? Affiliate income. What? And then like you graduate through him. And then you, you know, I went to Corbett Bar with Think Traffic and you kind of bounce around. So I did it for affiliate income because I would be able to put effort in and make money. Um, and I wanted to quit my job. And I, I like talking about money. And I was like kind of nerdy and stuff with finance. I, I did well investing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I actually, people ask, they're like, should you follow your passion? I'm like, yeah, obviously you should follow your passion. How could you do it if it's, you're not passionate? But I wasn't passionate about this, doing it and like putting, you put your heart into it and then you start to succeed and you love the result of your efforts. And I think like uh, your passion develops. Like, I think that, you know, the guy who knits cat sweaters um, loves it because he changes cats' lives, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Stuff like that is, you know? (laughs) Does he really? (laughs) (laughs) I really like to think that I made Fluffer's life just a little bit better (laughs) with that Argyle sweater. It looks so good with his tiger print fur. Dude, not (laughs) all of them get winter coats, like... (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, it's the internet. Siamese cats to... are suffering. Rolled over. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a valid question because I think there's like this: follow your passion. That's you know, you know, work at your uh, your job until you can turn your passion into a business. But I think there's two ways to go about it. There is, I have a passion for subject X, and I will build the structure around it to make it support me. But there's also the, I value certain types uh, or certain um, attributes of work, right? Mm. I value autonomy. I value independence. I value, like Justin said, I value the ability to put work in and have it uh, generate recurring revenue, generate recurring value for me. I value building something that I'm not shoving money into middle manager's pockets all day, you know? You know and uh, it doesn't have to be about a specific subject. You can find the subject that fits the attributes of work you want that's viable, and I want to I want to tie in that Justin. Um, when you uh, quit, who found and signed up for your health plan? Who quit and signed? Who I mean, signed up for my? I mean, like you had to find healthcare, right? So who who oh, found it? Oh. Who researched it? Found it and oh, I it? just called a broker 
and they they gave me the options. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go with this one. Okay, but I mean, so you had, you had to find the broker and, and whatever. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you, you incorporated, I'm guessing, right? I did an LLC to start with. And you did you do the paperwork yourself? Did you find someone? like? I hired an attorney to do it for me. But you had to find that person, right? Yeah. And like, there's all these other shitty things that like, I feel like starting a business, you have to shovel like, a metric ton of shit before you could even do anything and you had to do all of it but did you did you like it or were you miserable that part of it it was highly anxiety producing because here i am you know looking and researching and all this stuff like i had to buy errors and admissions insurance i had to buy workers comp insurance don't even um, tell I, me about workers comp dude that's yeah, the yeah. worst thing that's ever yeah. happened to me I had to go get – I had to sign a lease. Now, of course, I could have worked out of my home, but my kids were like two and four. It was like no way. So I signed a lease and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it was hard and there was it was this crescendo of anxiety and nervousness up to the day that I bailed. And I'll never forget the day, February 8th, 2008. And that was the day where I, it changed my life. And so it crescendoed and it built and uh, – then like you it was miserable uh, like how did no, it kind it, of it was great i mean literally i went i got in my car i drove over to my office the phones were ready to go and me and my assistant we just called everyone hey i'm here i have a new company will you come with me sure that was it and then we had to get them the paperwork but it was like those two days were like it's like I gotta believe like the anticipation of the guys that went in to go kill Bin Laden. Like they're in the helicopter and they're about to. Ch- That's how it felt for me. It was, <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> but when you quit, nobody died, right? No one died. No one died. So that's that's a good uh, that's a good track to get on here. When we're running our own businesses, I don't know about you guys, but like there's just bits of doubt, like. Oh no, the metrics are down 10% this month. That means they're going to go in a downward spiral and I will be on the street within two months. Um, and we talk about runways, right? Like I've got six months of finances and everything. At what point do you need to admit to yourself like this isn't working? I need to look for a job. Uh, I need to you know, go back into the working world. Like how much of a runway should you leave yourself? Because all this doubt can make you want to jump ship very quickly? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, I think some of the most successful entrepreneurs um, work on themselves and are willing to, personally, and are w- willing to see where they're coming short. And then also, and this is just the stuff that I've learned from studying other people. Like Jeff Walker, the guy who runs Product Launch Formula, he says the most successful Business owners work on themselves. I just spent three days with one of the guys who was the the founding guy of infomercials. And his whole thing was about iteration and testing. Mm. And that's something that I think a lot of business owners don't do right. They go all in with something and they don't spend 50 bucks. They'll spend 500 or 5,000. But if they just spent 50 bucks or 100 bucks and tried something, and if it didn't work, then they would just learn from it and then try something else. And that is a big, like, that's a, I call those writer downers where you really want to write it down, test, see what works, and then iterate off of there. Mm-hmm. 
that's probably something to be deliberately doing when you're still working for your your nine to five job. Is like just use some of your salary to iterate, see what works. Mm. You're exposing yourself to less risk while you're experimenting, and you're not exactly sure what's going to be the best yeah uh, best formula going forward. Justin, take some of the the hot air out of starting your own business thing. I think like. Uh, first of all, it's like a, a highly incentivized um, area, and I feel like all the talk is like, it's the best shit ever. Yeah. Uh, is it? It's very, very hard. Um, it, it's it's very, very hard because I think the first thing is, is it's just you. You might be married. Uh, you might have a partner or, or a best friend or your parents or cousin or whatever, but they don't know what you're going through. No one does except yourself. So you are alone to a certain extent, but you have to have an outlet to deal with all of the stuff that you're having to deal with. So number one is it's you. It's all you and it's on you. Mm, and you have to yeah. be willing to embrace that and um, and deal with that. And, you, and, and, and another thing is, is that you're going to have surprises. It, it You just will. And some of them are going to be bad. And you're going to have to just roll with the punches and deal with that. Some will be financial. Some will be more like just rejection, people mm-hmm. saying no. And yet you're going to have to deal with, with both of those. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like that because it's like people like, well, what if I fail? Like people, people email us and like, well, what if the stock market crashes? I'm like, yeah, it will. It's going to, it did it before. It's going to do it again. It's going to keep doing it. Like the same thing. Thing and you just gotta deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are gains to be made in the in betweens uh, between those events. But so, Justin, you said like you only you know what's going on, right? Like uh, your 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 people around you don't really get it. Was there anything that you did to like kind of vent some of the steam, or um, you know, I, I mean, it's really hard to keep everything in and deal with it all. Yeah, I, I I joined a mastermind and I got the right one at the right time and it was exactly what I needed. Mm. And what I got was, in, in fact, yeah, what I got was support. I got accountability. I got a little bit of belief and I got a community of people that were all kind of doing what I was doing, starting mm. businesses or have recently started a business. And to me, that was what I needed. So I, I just want to like pause real quick and I feel like I need to clip that out and use as like a sales thing for the community that I have. <laughs> like you could have said it better, but uh, like because ta- we, we have like a finance community, whatever. Um, Thomas and I talk a lot about business stuff. Uh, my ex co-host Matt is friends with Thomas and I, and we both talk with him. Can you kind of like explain? I, we, we know mastermind groups. Can you kind of explain the mastermind group and like how you found it? And like just yeah. kind of, yeah. Um, the name of the group was um, Fabian Fredrickson. She's out of, I think, Connecticut or New York. I still talk to her today. I'm friends with her. Um, I somehow got on her email list, kind of like you got on Pat Flynn's email list, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt like she was directly talking to me. Her email was written exactly to me. And then mm-hmm. the next one was, and then the next one was. And then she just opened up her mastermind. I'm like, I'm going, I'm doing it. And, and I went there and I felt um, welcome, I felt at home, and I felt like there was a community of people that could support me as I evolved into this freaking out about the fact that I'm running a business. And really, 
I mean, I, I, I understand investing money, and I understand mm-hmm. money to a certain extent, but running a business is just totally different. Mm-hmm. Like, you really, you kind of make it up as you go, you know, to a certain yeah. extent, uh, and you, you just go from, it's like, I don't know if you guys have kids? I'm working on it. Okay, nope. so just wait, Andrew, when you come home with the baby, mm-hmm. and like you walk in the door, you're going to look at your Laura and be like, uh, what do we do now? you got the crib you got the bottle and you got the burp cloth you got it was like now what and you just figure it out as you go you really do it's actually kind of crazy there's like no instructions you just have this baby like they they trusted me to go home home with with this they not send you home with any instruction manual there's no instruction manual (laughs) step one do this step two do that Uh, i honestly expect you like the hospital would send you home with some sort of like book or something (laughs) You'll get a you'll get a breastfeeding book. Okay. You'll get you'll get, um, you'll get uh, like you have to like do a bunch of stuff for the first week, like make sure that they're you know going to live like they have a heartbeat and all that. But no, I mean you just like you don't know what to do. you think, and then you just go off of instinct and you roll with it. Huh. Okay. And okay, that that's interesting, and and that's actually like you said, just like building a business. And uh, when you went to these masterminds. Did they tell you how to build your business or was it just like you kind of knew what you had to do and and they just kind of like egged you on? Well, I think the best thing about masterminds in general or the best kind of mastermind to go to is where it's 50% mindset and 50% strategy. Mm-hmm. Because there's uh, there obviously there's such a big mindset in just making the decision to leave your job and start a business. Then yeah. there's the whole mindset of running a business, dealing with other people, and dealing with yourself, your belief in yourself. That so that's you know that whole mindset part. Now it's the strategy part of like, hey, are you doing the right thing with your pricing, or are you making good tweaks to your website, or is your copy good, and you know, mm. are you joint venturing with the right people, and all that. You know, yeah. I find the masterminds are very good for both because what the people in the room do is they see stuff that you don't see. You know, the stuff that's right under your nose, yes. the stuff that's, you know, that you can't even see the hump on your own back. You know, they, they just see stuff. And, and it's kind of like, I'm sure you guys, this would be, a, in fact, no, I think you and Laura hmm. talked about this once, Andrew. I listened to it on the podcast where, like, both of you were talking about money, and then somehow maybe you brought in someone else to talk about money with each of you, and and that guy or girl said the same thing that one of you said, and you're like, oh, my God, I've been telling you to do that forever, uh. but, <laughs> but, right? But she, your wife maybe heard it from someone else, mm. and it just resonated with her in a different yeah. way. Mm-hmm. So that that's also what a mastermind is because they're going to call you out on your stuff. I get that from my girlfriend all the time. I've been telling you to do that the whole time, and now someone else tells you to <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and maybe it's like a little cliche, or it's a lot cliche. With like, you're the average of the blah 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 people you spend time with. Mm. And I mean, I totally think it's true. And just by like talking with Thomas, or like every week, or I try to talk with my buddy Matt, who is like the old co-host, and like you kind of like ideas and mindset and things rub off. You know, I I selfishly get to talk to people like you, Justin, and I get to, you know, get a little bit of that. And I think that really helps. Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what I call human capital. Hmm. Human capital is, if you Google it, it's an actual term. It's it's the ability to leverage your skill set and strengths to earn a living. 
And as long as you're working on what you're good at, again, this is for all of us, leaving a business, working, starting a business, whatever. But why not focus on what we're good at and hire people or delegate the stuff that we're not yeah. and hang out and talk with people that have strengths in, in their own perspective oh. things and focus on what you're good at. Yeah. And and I, I'm just like thinking you're you're a money dude. You have like a money book and we'll, we'll talk about your book and stuff. But like you could technically be a competitor of mine. Right. You could you could take some of the people listening to this podcast and I'm like, well, Justin's actually smart. I'm just going to follow him <laughs> and whatever. But and so when you start a business, you first like that's how I thought. I was like, well, I can't talk to any other financial bloggers because I'm talking about the same thing and they're going to steal my people competition. But it's actually like you stand on everyone's shoulders. You get you get together with all your competitors and you work together. It's like so weird. Well, you know, first thing is I'm going to have all of my websites redirect right back to listenmoneymatters.com. Yes. <laughs> so, so don't worry about that. But you know what? I think no one can steal. I mean, you guys clearly have an amazing podcast, a great brand. Each of you have kick-ass voices and, and personalities that no one can take. Mm. No one can take. That's You own that. So we all have to develop our own brand, our own community, and you can't just piggyback off of someone's and steal it or whatever. It's That's inauthentic. And the community that you have is going to see right through that BS. Yeah. Dude, I need you to like be like just around me and like just pump up my confidence. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is that a cat box behind you over your right shoulder? Is that where your cat is? <laughs> That's where I keep my cat's the cat litter box. Yeah, it's a litter okay. box. All right, yeah. I'll hang out with the cats in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, so yeah, we said you had a book earlier. Uh, what is your book and what's it about? Yeah, it's called Money, You Got This. It's actually coming out in October. It's, it's done. Oh, okay. It'll be out in October. Um, and what I did was, like, I love Seinfeld. And I love, so I love Seinfeld. And I love funny things that happen to people during their lives. And I said, all right, I'm going to take any daily, any incident that happens one day, and I'm going to turn it into a money lesson in like 200 or 300 words. So um, it's for people that have like financial ADD. So I just wrote, I've been writing short posts. You can open the book wherever, and you can read about anything having to do with nothing, but then there's a takeaway. Dude, that's, okay, first of all, Sweet. that's awesome. And the title is just so like, I, I the, the title, I want to read it because it's just a really cool, like, you got this. Like, yeah. I, yeah. brilliant, dude. Thank you. <laughs> I saw a wonderful Seinfeld video yesterday. I think I'm the only person who will like it, but it was like Kramer listens to Architects, and it's just like this metal band, and he's in the car just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their shows are about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. But, you know, you got to... I think a lot of people, when it comes to money, it, it, they get... First of all, they get overwhelmed, anxious. They want to put their head in the sand. And even a lot of the gurus out there, you know, will make you feel that way. And I'm like, you know what? It's all good. Let's have a glass of wine. Or if you guys say, what are you drinking today? Right. Yeah. And let's just talk for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And that's what the book is about. So I, cool. I want to know, um, you have your, your advisory business that I'm guessing does very well. And you've been working on it for a while. 
Um, why write a book? Is this for your existing clients so they'll all buy your book? What, what was the motivation? No, no I, I think um, I, I'm growing um, the money strategy part of my business, which is a separate company. It, mm-hmm. it, it's to give me more of a calling card, more of a brand, um, to make the public see that, like, okay, the guy's approachable. He's running about funny stuff in his life and tying it in with money. And um, I also think that... Um, I think there's stuff in there that can help the everyday person where they feel like they can pick up the book and read two pages and be like, okay, I got what I needed. Right, right. Yeah. I, I just came up with like a really selfish thing for, for you. Um, so you said, you said your book's coming in October, right? Yeah. Like you could always write like a really awesome, funny thing in October. We could post on our website. And sure. we'll and we'll keep it, but we'll send people to to buy your book. <laughs> Done. Thank you. It's not even that selfish, Andrew. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Because I, I think I could tell like your stuff is going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, I just take hilarious, random, funny things. Like I went to the um, like I went to this department store to buy my wife some perfume, but I forgot the name of the perfume, and I could only know the smell of the perfume. <laughs> then I got there and started talking to this lady, and she's spraying these perfumes, and there's four perfumes all over the place, and I didn't know what I was getting. Just weird stuff like that that happens to everyone. Buying weird perfumes for your spouses in the department <laughs> store, but then I'll just I'll just iterate off of that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so the money lesson on that is is you got to be clear on what you want and mm-hmm. and know what you're all about so that you can make decisions that are going to w- get you toward what your goal is. Huh? Makes sense. I like that. So the book's Thank coming you. out October. Uh, for now, I mean, this episode's coming out far before that. Where can people go if they want to connect with you or check? Yeah, out they can stuff? go to my they can go to my site, which is j the letter j crane j k r a n e dot com. Cool. All right. Well, Justin, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been an awesome episode. And guys, check out Justin's site. Also, if you've got questions for us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com is our email address. Or you can join our community of money nerds over at listenmoneymatters.com slash join. Check out all the cool stuff we have cooking up in the community. And uh, our toolbox is full of apps and books and all kinds of other cool stuff. Listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox to find that. So thanks for listening. And we will see you in next week's episode. Thanks, guys. guys. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 